How many of you have siblings, a brother or sister that you grew up with? Anybody? Even if you grew up with an only child, as an only child, I bet you heard this some point along the way from your parent, saying something along the lines of, you need to share with your brother or sister, or you need to share with your friends. And what is every child's instinctive behavior response to that word? Mine! It's mine! No, you can't have it. It's my stuff, right? You ever heard that before? Don't touch that. Leave that alone. In my house, everybody fights over the hair bows or the headbands and the little ponytail things. Well, everybody except me. You know, it's things like, she wore the brown headband three days in a row, it's my turn. Or she's hiding the purple ribbon in her room, she won't let me wear it. You ever heard that? It's just not fair. Sounds familiar? Guess what? It's really not much different as adults. It's just different things that we're selfish about. We still struggle to share our stuff. We're just jealous or envious about someone else's stuff. Or, but even more, we struggle to be content with who we are, with the way God made us. We say things like, I wish I could be more organized like her, or I wish I could be a better athlete like him, or I wish I was able to sing better and could be on stage at church or school, or I wish I could look so good bald like the pastors at TBA. <laughs> well, at least three of the four anyway. I keep offering to cut Don's hair for him, and he just won't go for it. I don't know what the deal is. And so, today we continue this series with the topic, One Life to Share. If you have your Bible with you, or if you want to look it up on your iPad or your iPhone, um, turn to Romans 12 with me. We're going to start Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's going to be on the screen here as well that you can follow along. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn how to know God's will. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. These two verses have been very meaningful to me for a long time. I've got them underlined in my Bible. It's verses that I refer back to often just to remind me of the way that God's called me to live. But this morning, I want us to take a moment to look at what Paul's really telling us in, this ver- in these verses. Not just the words, but what is it that he's communicating to us? See, he starts out by saying that we need to give, or some translations say to present our bodies to God. See, our body is described as God's temple in 1 Corinthians 6. And Paul is referring to our whole self in this passage. To present all that we are, our entire being, to God. The same body that we've used in the past for sinful purposes should be presented to God for his use. It's to accomplish the establishment of his kingdom here on earth. He goes on to tell us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. See, a sacrifice was a concept that was understood very well in this day. Sacrifices were made all throughout the Old Testament for atonement for sin. And each time an animal would be slaughtered, blood would be shed, and they would be presented to God for the purpose of atonement. But as Paul's talking to the church of Rome, Christ has already come. He was that ultimate sacrifice for our sin, And so Paul introduces a new concept to us, this idea of a living sacrifice. And it's a picture of dying to ourselves, dying to our own desires and plans, dying to the person that we used to be so that we can live for Christ, to be a living, breathing, walking, and talking example of love of God in the world all around us. There are a couple other examples in Scripture that we see of living sacrifices. One is the story of Isaac and the story of Isaac and Abraham. And I'm just going to sum it up for you today because it's a long story, but if you want to look it up at some point, it comes from Genesis 22, so you can go back and read through that later. 
But God gifts Abraham Isaac, his son. Abraham and, and his wife Sarah are too old to have children, but God promises him Isaac and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And not long after he's given him Isaac, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to give Isaac back to me. I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham makes the choice to be obedient. And he goes all the way to the point of tying his son, binding him, laying him on an altar, and raising the knife above his head, ready to kill his own son, ready to sacrifice him because that's what God had told him to do. And just before that happens, an angel stops him. God sends an angel to stop Abraham, and he provides a different offering. So Isaac's life was spared. He was the living sacrifice, a walking example of complete devotion to God and his plan. Another example we see was Christ. And see, Christ was obedient all the way to death. He physically sacrificed himself when he died on the cross for us. But he overcame death, and he sits at the right hand of God now as a living sacrifice. He bears those scars of that physical crucifixion that reminds us of the sacrifice he made. But he also lives, and that is a constant reminder of the power that's available to us when we trust God and his plan. See, Paul goes on, present yourself as a living sacrifice, the kind God will find acceptable. This is how we truly worship him. See, God isn't asking us to give him just Sunday mornings. He isn't asking us to carve out a few minutes, a few hours, or even a few days each week. He's asking for all of us. He wants us to live as his with the understanding that all we are and all that we have is truly a gift from him and is to be used for his purposes, not ours. It's not your stuff. It's not your talent. It's not your ability. It's all a gift from your heavenly Father and his plan to save the world is you and me. There is no plan B. There is no other way. You are God's plan to bring the kingdom of God to earth. See, verse 1 sets the expectation of how we should live. But then verse 2 tells us how. It says, don't copy the world. Don't be like everyone else. Don't settle for anything less than all that God has to offer you. But rather, allow God to transform you. The word used here is the same word that's used in our, in the, as the root of our word, metamorphosis. It means a complete change from the inside out. Allow God to reform you, to make you into a new person, totally different than the old you, totally different from the sinful you who has lived by the patterns and expectations of the world for so long. And how will he do it? By changing the way you think, by starting with your heart, your mind, your soul, transforming your motivations, your thoughts, your feelings, everything that impacts your actions and behaviors. But it's just like a caterpillar that goes through metamorphosis and becomes a butterfly. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. It's not instantaneous change. It takes constant input of God's word into your life. It takes constant communication with God of seeking his will and seeking his ways. Constant fellowship with your faith community, your church family, so that you can be encouraged and challenged and inspired. And then Paul finishes verse 2 by explaining that it's only as you allow God to transform you, to change the way you think, that you will begin to see God's plan for you, to understand his will in your life. And believe me, that doesn't mean that you suddenly will just be able to see clearly the rest of your life played out before you. It simply means that you will begin to discover that God's will is actually better than your own. That you will realize that God knows what you need more than you do and that this journey of life is in his control. And that's a good thing. You see, this is the crossroads that I see us standing at as TBA Church. This church family has amazing potential. Amazing potential. God has already lined up so many pieces of the puzzle and brought so many things together. And I know that he's preparing us to do something amazing for his kingdom. 
But I think he's waiting for us to choose him. I think he's waiting for us to die to ourselves and our own desires and put him first. He's waiting for us to make that choice to love him more than we love ourselves or our stuff. Guess what? It's not your stuff anyway. It's his. I wish we could realize that one thing, that one principle, because that's why Jesus talked about money so much throughout Scripture. It's the one thing that constantly gets in the way of our love relationship with God. It's the one thing that we desperately cling to and depend on instead of God. It's the one thing that we think will bring us happiness and contentment, but yet we can never get enough, can never find peace or true contentment with our stuff because we're still trying to fill a void with something that will never fill it. It's the wrong thing. You're probably thinking by now, okay, so what does this have to do with sharing? I thought that's what we were talking about today. See, we keep talking about transformation But we have to fully understand this concept that Paul teaches in the first two verses of Romans 12 before we can understand the rest of the things he's saying. Because he goes on to talk about what it means to share. But we have to be willing to choose Christ and his ways over our own before we can understand that. Paul starts with the most important part. Make the decision to put God first. Let him transform you. Follow his plan instead of your own. And once you've done that, then you can begin to understand the rest of the picture. Look at what he says in verses 3, 4, and 5 here as he goes on. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. See, this is where the sharing part starts to be understood. Paul's using a very practical illustration here about how we are all part of the body of Christ. We're going to get to that, but see, it's interesting to me how Paul starts his thoughts here. Although New Living Translation that I'm using this morning uses a few different words in English to translate this concept of thinking, Paul actually uses three different forms of the same verb. And the verb is phronio, and it means to think. But Paul is attempting to remind his readers that pride has to be avoided. And he's talking about how we think of these things. He tells us to be to beware of thinking more highly of ourselves. He talks about how we need to think of ourselves. We need to assess that. But then he ends by saying to do so with a sound or sober thinking. So he's talking about the way we think about things. These are all different forms of the same verb that he's using. But he's basically reminding us that we need to have a proper humility when we're assessing our gifts and talents and how we need to use those in the body of Christ. Here's the thing for us. Most of us get the pride. We understand pride as being something where we're boastful or we're arrogant or we think too highly of ourselves, and we understand that side of it. But do you realize that pride can actually be the opposite of that? It can be sometimes that we think too lowly of ourselves and we allow our fears and our insecurities to control who we are, to control our thoughts and our actions, and they keep us from playing the role that we should be playing because we're too afraid to get involved or we're too afraid to do the things that God has gifted us to do. It's still pride because the focus is coming back on us instead of being on God and accomplishing his purposes. See, after giving this context, Paul very simply and clearly reminds us of God's plan for us, his pattern for our life. We are to live in community, true community where we all do our part, where we all fulfill the role for which God has uniquely gifted us. We use the word family around here a lot because we feel like that really paints a picture of what the body of Christ should look like. Family is in this together. You can't change blood relations, whether you like the person or not. 
Believe me, I'm sure some of you have some people in your family that you'd love to just sweep under the rug, right? But you can't. They're blood relations. They're part of you. They are your family. You are part of them as well. And it's the same way here. If we have chosen to follow Christ, that's what we are. We are blood relation because we're all bought with a price, the blood of Christ that was shed for the atonement of our sin. We're part of that same family. And in family, everybody has to do their part in order for the family to be healthy. Paul illustrates the same thing by just using the human body as an example. All the parts have to work together to do their part for the body to function. The leg can't see, the eyes can't hear, the hands can't taste. If all the parts of the body aren't working together to accomplish the same purpose, it doesn't work. And the body of Christ, the church family, is exactly the same way. We all have our part to play, different roles, but all equally important to the success and health of the body. See, when you don't do your part, when you don't share you, your gifts, your talents, your stuff, the body suffers. We were designed to live in community, not on our own. We were designed in such a way that we need each other to accomplish God's purposes. I can't live the life that God has planned for me if you're not willing to be obedient and live the life that God has planned for you too. We are the body of Christ, all of us. We are the body, not me, not you, we. It doesn't matter whether you're an eye, an ear, a hand, a foot, the stomach, you have a vital role to play. And it's necessary to the overall health and success of the body of Christ that you play that role. And very specifically to this church family, what God has called us to is TBA. See, we'll never have the impact in Highland City that God wants us to have unless we function as the body of Christ. We'll never be the hands and feet of Jesus in Haiti unless we function as the body of Christ. We'll never be the church that God has called us to be unless we function as the body of Christ. And it's critical that you make the effort to get involved and to do your part. See, it seems like most people are willing to jump in and do something as long as they're personally invited. But that's not how families should work. You're not a guest. You're family, and you know yourself. You know your gifts, your talents, your abilities. You know yourself best. Don't wait for someone to come and ask you to do something. Make the effort to seek out where you can serve. Look around you. Come talk to Mike and Danny Daughtry, who are leading our children's ministry teams. Or come talk to one of the pastors and share your heart and your passion and the things that you want to do and the ways that you can serve. You can write it on a connection card, too, and we'll follow up with you. But really, we shouldn't have to do that. This should be about us as a family actively seeking the ways that we can serve and how we can plug in. So the reality for us is as a church the size that we are now, honestly, we should be turning people away from ministry saying, you know, we're overstaffed in this area, but come back in a few weeks and we'll talk to you. Or maybe you can serve over here. It shouldn't be that we're begging for volunteers in areas. See, we talk about being on the journey all the time. But you've got to understand that it's not just your journey. It's not just you individually. It's our journey. We are in this together. We have to walk the path that God lays before us as a church family. It's not enough for the pastors to walk the path. It's not enough for the ministry directors to walk the path. It's not enough for the children's ministry workers to walk the path or the youth workers or the ushers or the band or anybody else who's serving. We have to all say yes to God. We have to all do our part. We've got to share in this journey. And sharing is not just giving or just receiving. It's both, both and. It's truly living as community. It's being willing to give sacrificially in order to meet a need with no expectation of return, no expectation of physical blessing that will follow. But it's also being humble enough to allow the family to meet a need in our own lives rather than being too prideful to seek help. It's both and. It's about caring more for the rest of our family than our own interests. 
than allowing the same care and then allowing the same care and passion to spill into the community and the world around us. See, Sunday morning is not just something we do. It's part of our collective journey. The gathering's critical to our health as a family, as the body of Christ. We need each other desperately, but not a codependence. Really, it's more of a unified dependence upon God. That's why we're placing such an emphasis on discipleship right now. It's becoming more and more clear that people are attracted to what God is doing here at TBA. But most of our family doesn't really understand how to truly be a part of those exciting things. We hear about having a relationship with Christ, but don't really get what that looks like or know how to do that. We hear about using our gifts to benefit the body of Christ, but don't even know what those gifts are or how we should be using them or how to plug in. That's why we're offering the paths on Sunday nights that we've been talking about the last couple weeks. These are some practical tools that are designed to help you along the journey, to help you better understand what family really is, to help you understand the role that you play in the family and how God can use us, this community, to accomplish his purposes. I can't emphasize enough how important this really is. I don't care if you have no idea what it means to have a relationship with Christ, or if you've been following Christ for 75 years, you need to be a part of these paths. You need to play your part. And maybe it's for your own growth, or maybe it's to help someone else. Maybe you're called to be a mentor in one of these areas or facilitate one of the groups and help with that. But either way, we're in this together, and it's critical that we walk on this journey together. These classes, these paths, they're not fix-alls, but they are very valuable tools that will help in our growth. Let me encourage you to go ahead and grab your connection card now. It's on your bulletin, the piece of paper you got as you came in. Grab that and pull it out and wave it around so I know you're participating. I know you're awake. I know you have it. Come on, there's more than four of you in the room that have that. Okay. I want you to go ahead and sign up now for one of these paths. Go ahead, find a pen there in the chair back in front of you and sign up now. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for next semester. Don't wait for the next year. Yes, we will be doing these again, but you need to sign up now. It's that important. And believe me, I fully realize it's going to take some sacrifices on your part. It's going to be inconvenient at times. These classes are happening, most of them are happening on Sunday nights. I know it's football season, so you're going to have to give up some things, but guess what? That's what DVR is for. This is really important. You need to be involved. Let me walk you through what the paths are so that you have an idea of what you're signing up for and know where you fit best. Path one is called Discover TBA. This has formerly been referred to as our 101 class. So if you're familiar with that or you've heard of that, it's the same class. Um, but Discover TBA is just that. It is a class. It's going to be held on Sunday, November 11th from 4 to 6 p.m. And the whole purpose of this is to introduce you to TBA, who we are, what we're about, how you can get involved. It's going to teach you about our vision and our purpose. And I would encourage you to sign up for this if you have never been through the class, regardless of whether or not you're taking one of the other ones. This is a class that you can take in addition to one of the other ones because it is just a one-night class as compared to several others the last several weeks. But let me just encourage you to sign up for this in addition. And again, it doesn't matter if you've been with TBA since the inception, if you were part of one of the other churches that merged to make TBA, or if you just came last week. This is definitely a path that you want to walk. So make sure that you sign up for that. The second path... It's called Walk Through the Word. And you've probably heard us refer to this before as starting point. That's the curriculum that we use in there. But this is a 12-week group that explores the big picture of God's story. It's starting next Sunday night, September 9th at 5 o'clock. It'll meet here at the church. And this path really is designed for anyone who's simply exploring who Christ is. Or, or maybe you're new to church, or maybe you're returning to church after kind of a long vacation or an extended vacation. This is really just intended to give you a good overview of the Bible and God's plan. So this path is starting next week, Sunday night, September 9th at 5. Then path three is called Grow with God. This is a 13-week group for anyone who, that wants to develop a growing relationship with God. 
And this path is designed to help you develop some basic necessities of the faith, like how to communicate with God, how to understand his word, how to truly be in relationship with him. I would suggest that probably most of our church family should be at least at this level starting in this path. Maybe you need to go to path one or path two, but definitely path three is an important place. As I look across our family and I see some of the things that are happening there, I think that this is an important place for most of us to start. There are some very basic and foundational concepts that are very critical for our faith journey, and this is the, the, the path that is going to help us to see those things. Again, this one's starting next week also, Sunday, September 9th, 5 o'clock. Then the last path I'll talk about today, we'll, we'll deal with path five at another time, but path four is called Pursue Your Passion. This is only an eight-week group. It's going to start a little bit later. It's going to start on Sunday, the 30th of September. But this is uh, designed very specifically for the follower of Christ. It's going to help you discover God's purpose for your life and how he has wired you to accomplish that purpose. This is more about understanding your specific role in the body and in this family. So I would encourage you to sign up for those, and you can drop them in the offering box at the back doors as you go out this morning to sign up for that. You know, there's really very few things that we push hard for you to do here at TBA, but this is one of those things that's just that important. It's a primary tool for our growth. It's the method of TBA that we're using to help you understand how to say yes to God and take that next step in your own journey and then the journey for us as a church family. So if you're anything like me, at this point you're probably asking, okay, well, why? Why is this so important? Why do these guys keep bugging me about this obedience thing, about saying yes to God? Good question. Let me try to put it in perspective for you from my point of view. See, I believe with all my heart that God wants to do some huge things and amazing things in this community through TBA Church. I've watched in amazement over the last four years as he's brought together such a diverse group of people, so many various gifts and abilities and talents, but yet a common passion. And I've been amazed at how our church family has grown. I see our potential to change this community and the world around us growing every day as we grow. But yet, I'm deeply burdened because I don't see us as a church family reaching our full potential. I don't see us saying yes to God in every area. I see how for many of our family, church is something that we come to rather than something that we are. I look at where we are right now, realizing how much we've grown and how far we've come, and it's exciting. But sometimes it's disheartening, too, because I can see how far that we still have to go and how much we still don't understand. And a lot of times I see these in the little things. And, and I mean, these are little things, nitpicky. But things like giving up the best parking spots outside so the guests can have those. Or things like, instead of coming here to eat breakfast on Sunday morning, allowing those donuts and things to be out there for guests who come in to make the environment friendly for them and to make them feel welcome. It's in little things like choosing to sit up front so that the seats in the back are available as people come in and they don't have to walk all the way to the front and feel awkward in front of everybody when they've never been here before. Those are little things, but sometimes it's bigger things too, like stepping up and volunteering in children's ministry. You know, we put out a huge plea a few weeks ago, and many of you stepped up. But there's, honestly, there's still a lot of you that are sitting there expecting the same old people to do the same old things. And this is part of family. These are big things. Another big part of it is finances. You know, our church family is growing exponentially in numbers, but our per capita giving or our giving per person is actually on a downward trend. I'd estimate that right now about 20 to 30% of our church family carries about 80% of the financial burden of our organization. Think about that for a minute. 20 or 30% of our church family, people who call themselves family, who come here every week, are carrying approximately 80% of the financial burden of the church. That's not good. 
These are a big deal. And as Dave talked about last week, you look at our weekly budget and it's really only half of what it should be for a church our size. And you need to hear my heart on this because I get this comment every time we talk about money. Well, the church is just about money. That's all they talk about. And it's not just about money. We don't just want your money so that we have more money. We need to be faithful and obedient and giving because that is how we as a church are going to accomplish God's mission. It takes finances to accomplish the purpose and the vision that he has put before us. And we want to be faithful in doing it, but it means that all of our family has to be faithful. It means that we all have to step up and do our part and play our role within the body. Just last week, our pastor team received, actually it was a couple weeks ago now, our pastor team received an email from somebody in our church. This is somebody who's very involved and volunteers regularly in Club 345, which is our children's ministry to third, fourth, and fifth graders. I want you to hear what she said about some things. This is a different perspective than mine. So not a pastor speaking, someone who's volunteering in one of the ministries. says, hi guys, I'm really concerned about the amount of workers in our children's ministry. I honestly was a little frustrated this week in seeing some of the communication and the amount of people who can't serve in children's ministry. I don't know if this is venting or complaining, and I'm really trying hard not to do either one since I can't think of a good solution right now. Are we having difficulty getting people to volunteer to help out in general? I know that you collectively as pastors put out a call a few weeks ago. Did we have people volunteer? There are so many children, and all of their parents can't be helping out. As it stood, I know that at least a half dozen people were contacted to fill in for myself and others in Club 345, and then based on planning center info, it looked like we had several who had declined in K2 as well. I can see the stress that it's putting on some of the leaders of those ministries. Is there any other way to stress to those that call TBA their home church that they need to help out and support those that are ministering to the children? With a number of families that are present, it seems hard to believe that with those that call TBA their home, we can't get enough to serve. Again, I'm not trying to put additional pressure on you all, since obviously you're aware of the situation, but it just seems that the same people are serving in multiple ministries. What can we do to get the word out? Believe me, I'm not above asking each and every parent that picks up their child this week if they would consider serving. I don't want to offend anyone, and that would be the only thing that would stop me from speaking up. I don't want to complain about this. I want to help find a solution and I feel that it needs to start at the source. Thanks for taking the time to read this. See, these are the things that I look around and see. This is specific to children's ministry, but it's not just children's ministry. It's an issue where we need to say yes in every area. See, I look around and I realize that we cannot reach our full potential until all of our church family says yes, and then stands behind our yes as well. See, too many times people sign up or they volunteer to serve in an area, and then they don't show up to serve in that area. It, this happens all the time. People commit to be a parent partner and confirm that they will serve, even the week before, and then Sunday morning rolls around, and all of a sudden they're not there, and we're or scrambling, trying to fill spots. Or like last weekend when we served the Lakeland Football Club doing the soccer sign-ups, only half of the people who signed up actually showed up to serve. These are big deals. See, when we don't do our part, the body suffers. Others have to jump in and carry the load that was dropped. And that's why I say that we're at a crossroads as a church family. I think we're at that critical point in the journey where God wants to use us to do amazing things. But we have to say yes. We have to die to ourselves. We have to share the gifts and blessings that God has given us in order to build up this body and to minister to the community around us. Ben, why don't you guys come on up? If we say yes... I'm confident that you will be more fulfilled than you can ever imagine. I don't mean that you'll be richer or get more stuff. I mean that you'll have a peace and a contentment that you've never known before. 
I believe with my whole heart that Highland City will never be the same. There will be opportunities for students to be tutored and to succeed in school instead of dropping out a few years later. There will be opportunities for those who are going hungry to be fed, and not just to be fed, but to learn how to provide for their family as well. There will be opportunity for freedom from addictions like drugs and alcohol. And I see opportunities for new employment and for new self-confidence because of simple things like home repairs or car repairs that relieve that stress and provide necessary transportation. I see orphans and whole communities being changed in Haiti and Uganda because of provisions that God can supply through this church family. All of this because we choose to say yes as a community of faith. All of this because we choose to share our lives within this family and outside the walls too. Simply because we choose to put God first, to love him with that agape kind of love that Dave talked about last week, to trust his plan and his pattern for our lives instead of our own. The reality is the choice is yours. Will you share your life or will you continue to live it for you? What will our future look like, TBA? What will our future look like as a church family? What will this community look like? We have to say yes. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us. And you love us so much that you are not willing to leave us where we are but you continually stretch us and grow us and help us to change and develop and you're transforming us just as you say in your word. But God, we have to say yes and we have to allow you to transform us. We have to make that decision to present ourselves to you to be that living sacrifice. I pray that this morning that simply our hearts and our lives would be laid bare before you. That you would point out to us things that maybe we need to see things that we haven't looked at in a long time or things that we've refused to look at for a long time. That you would point out areas of our life where we need to say yes and need to allow you to transform us and change us into the person you want us to be. Areas where we need to allow you to speak and work and move and give up that that illusion of control that we think we have. God, I pray that today we would be open for you to change us open for you to do amazing things. I pray that that you would show us how we need to respond so that you open the doors and we can move forward. God, I'm amazed daily at the way you have moved, the way you have worked, the way you have blessed within this church family. But I also stand before you pleading that you will allow us to be a part of what you want to do in the future and where you want to go and the vision and purpose that you have for this church family and this community and this world around us. Help us to be obedient and simply be a part of what you're doing. We give this all to you. In your name we pray. Amen.